The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World. The apostles of Jesus Christ were special men. They were special because Jesus handpicked them to be the ones to establish his New Testament church. They were special because they were eyewitnesses and earwitnesses to all that he did and said in his earthly ministry. But they were also special because they had an opportunity to prepare for their role in God's kingdom on earth in tomorrow's world as the rulers of the 12 tribes of Israel. Did you know that they will be performing that role very soon? Notice what he told them here in Matthew chapter 19 and in verse 28. Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. It's this prophecy that begs the question, how did Christ prepare them to rule the 12 tribes in the years immediately following his resurrection? Today's program will answer that question and lead us into a little-known truth. The apostles went out to the, those lost 10 tribes of Israel in the last years of their lives. Where they went is vital for revealing where the descendants of the 10 tribes were living at the time. They were not lost in the sands of the desert, as most theologians will tell you, but existed mainly within the bounds of the Roman and Parthian empires. Now, you've heard of the Roman Empire at school, but you've probably not heard of the other great empire of the time, which was the Parthian Empire. Now, this empire was where many of the ten lost tribes were living in the apostles' days. Where did these men go, and why is it important to know? Well, the answer is rarely understood by most Christians. They simply cannot conceive why it is important to understand. And yet, it is important to know the reason. Today, I want to give you the second part of the amazing story of the apostles' prophetic journeys. Did you miss the last program about where the apostles went? And would you like to know more? Well, then stay tuned. A warm welcome to our regular Tomorrow's World viewers and also to those of you who've just joined us for the first time. The last time I spoke on Tomorrow's World, I covered part one of a two-part series titled The Apostles' Prophetic Journeys. And in that program, I covered the lives of several of the apostles after they left Jerusalem to preach the gospel message to the lost tribes of Israel. If you'd like to receive both parts of this amazing story, then phone the number we will give you to receive your free DVD of the Apostles' Prophetic Journeys. But firstly, let's recap some of the main points of our last program. Many people, and maybe you're one of them, believe an understandable error. We're often told that all Jews are Israelites and that all Israelites are Jews. Well, the first part is correct. 
all Jews are Israelites because they're descendants of the ancient tribe of Judah. Judah was one of Israel's sons, and the name Jew is an abbreviation of the name Judah. But, and this is really important, Judah was just one of the 12 tribes of Israel. You know, I like to put it this way. All Californians are Americans, but, obviously, not all Americans are Californians. Likewise, all Jews are Israelites, but not all Israelites are Jews. Somewhere in the world today, we can find the modern-day descendants of the other tribes. You've probably not thought about it, but you could be very well descended from these ancient people. The Jews have called their modern nation in the Middle East Israel, and its citizens Israelis. But there are still many Jews living in other parts of the world, and they're not Israelis. In fact, how many Jews are there in the world? Well, according to Israel's Central Bureau of Statistics, in 2009 there were 13,421,000 Jews in the world, with 42% of them living in Israel. But that leaves 58% of Jews living in other countries, including more than 5 million Jewish people who live in the United States. Sadly for these gifted and resilient people, their numbers have not even returned to the 16 million or more of the Jews who were living before the terrible Holocaust of World War II. But one could not say that the Jewish people have fulfilled the promise made by God to Abraham, the grandfather of Israel. God promised that his descendants would multiply to where they would become as the number of the sands of the seashore. We read that promise in Genesis chapter 22, verse 17. Blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. How many stars are there? Well, there are many, many millions of stars. So somewhere today on earth, there must be other descendants of the tribes of Israel that number into the hundreds of millions. In our free booklet, The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy, we outline the facts that prove that the people of the United States and the British-descended people make up the largest group of these modern-day Israelites. Now, did you notice that I said Israelites, not Israelis? Because there's a difference. Modern-day Israelis, the people who live in Israel, make up just a fraction of the far bigger group of Israelites. If you would like to receive your own free DVD of this two-part program, The Apostles' Prophetic Journeys, call the number on the screen or go to tomorrowsworld.org. Let us now return to the theme of the program. Where did the apostles go after the New Testament church had begun? In the first program, I showed from Acts chapter 2 how people had come from all over the known world of the Apostles' Day to keep the Feast of Pentecost. You'll remember that they came from places like Parthia, Media, Elam, Cappadocia, and Phrygia, and Pamphylia. And it was primarily to these same regions that the Apostles went in their journeys later in their lives. The first and chief apostle to the Jews was Simon Peter. Actually, he was living in Babylon when he wrote his first epistle. Let's turn there to 
1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13. It says, she who is in Babylon, that is the congregation where he was living, it says, elect together with you, greets you. We also find him addressing the people of Asia Minor on the shores of the Black Sea at the beginning of his letter. So let's just go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That's the same area we heard about before where those who were in Jerusalem for the first Pentecost returned home to. And then we notice that James wrote the book of James in the New Testament. So let's notice how he begins his epistle. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. The next apostle after Peter and James that we studied was Thomas. He preached the gospel, firstly in Parthia and then in India, where there was an enclave of Jews living in the south. And then we considered Andrew, the brother of Peter. He was widely known to have visited the region of the Black Sea and the Caucasus Mountains, where the ancient Scythians lived. They traced their journey by way of the Mediterranean Sea to Spain and then on to Scotland. After Andrew, we examined the apostle James called the son of Alphaeus in the book of Mark. He was the apostle who visited the Hebrews living in the area of Spain known as Galicia. The pilgrim city of Santiago de Compostela in northwestern Spain is named after him to this very day. The area of Spain and Portugal is known as the Iberian Peninsula. Now, some historians believe that the name Iberia was actually transposed from the Caucasus Mountains when the Hebrews migrated from there to Spain. Listen to what the Encyclopedia Britannica, the 11th edition, has to say in the article on Iberians. Let me quote. It states, Varro and Dionysius proposed to identify the Iberians of Spain with the Iberians of the Caucasus. Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended are found in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, this is why the apostles traveled to these parts of Europe and Asia to preach the gospel just as Christ had instructed them. For those of you who have just joined us, let me read an important scripture. We find it in Matthew chapter 10. We're going to start reading here in verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. If you are interested in this fascinating subject, you will want to receive your own free DVD of this two-part program, The Apostles' Prophetic Journeys. You will be able to spend time reviewing these amazing facts and checking up on what I have said in your own time. We will send you your copy if you request it now. Phone the number on the screen or go to tomorrowsworld.org 
to request your copy. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Welcome back to our program where we are revealing some most interesting historical events that occurred in the first century soon after Jesus Christ had been resurrected and the early New Testament church had been established. For the first few years, the apostles remained in the region around Jerusalem, but then began to move in all directions of the compass to where the lost 10 tribes of Israel were situated at the time. Let's now look at what the Jewish historian Flavius Josephus wrote in his celebrated work, The Antiquities of the Jews. He wrote the following. The ten tribes are beyond Euphrates till now and are an immense multitude and not to be estimated by numbers. Let's now continue with our discovery of where the apostles journeyed. We're going to look at the apostle Simon the Zealot, also called Simon the Canaanite. According to the 17th century English historian William Cave, writing in his work, The Antiquities of the Apostles, Simon the Zealot directed his journey toward Egypt, then to Cyrene and Africa, and throughout Mauritania and all Libya, preaching the gospel. And then he goes on to add a most unusual fact. He says, nor could the coldness of the climate benumb his zeal or hinder him from shipping himself and the Christian doctrine over to the Western Islands. Yes, even to Britain itself. And, as is affirmed by Nicephorus, he went at last into Britain and was crucified and buried there. We are going to see soon that he was not the only one who visited the far-off British Isles. The small Roman province of Africa, where he went, gave its name to the whole continent of Africa, just as the province of Asia in modern-day Turkey gave its name to the whole continent of Asia. The province of Africa was inhabited by the descendants of the Phoenicians and Israel. They had colonized this area with their capital city in Carthage in the 9th century BC. In Roman times, it was the breadbasket for the empire, with a climate that was ideal for growing wheat. The Mediterranean coast had several colonies of Phoenicians and Israelites. As early as the reign of King Solomon, there was a strong alliance between the Phoenicians, with the Phoenician king Hiram, and the Israelite king Solomon. Their joint navies sailed the Atlantic and Indian oceans. Notice what we're told in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 22. For the king, that is Solomon, had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram, remember he was the Phoenician king, 
And once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes and monkeys. These journeys, we are told, lasted for three years. Who, who then can we look to next in our search for the apostles and where they travelled? Now, you might not be familiar with the name Matthias, but he was the man who took the place of Judas Iscariot. You remember that after Judas betrayed Jesus Christ, he hanged himself. And so the remaining 11 disciples had to choose between two candidates to take the place of Judas. When they could not decide, we are told how they solved the problem. In Acts chapter 1, verse 26, we read, And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. I recently acquired a book titled The Search for the Twelve Apostles by Dr. Stuart McBurney. And on page 244, he quotes from Dorman Newman, who was a 17th century historian. This is what Newman states. In the 51st year of our Lord, he, that is Matthias, died at a place called Sebastopol and was buried near the Temple of the Sun. Now, why in Sebastopol? This city is situated on the Crimean Peninsula on the Black Sea which is exactly where the Lost Ten Tribes were living and where the Apostle Andrew had been preaching already. Once again, just as Jesus had told his disciples to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Matthias did just that and went to them where the Israelites were still living. In the next part of the program, I have a surprise for you. You'll probably not be able to guess where the Apostles Peter and Paul spent much of their time preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you believe it if I told you that these two leading servants of God went to Britain at the end of their lives? Stay watching, and I will reveal the truth to you. Meanwhile, request your copy of The Apostles' Prophetic Journeys. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Now we come to a most interesting part of the story. Where did Peter and Paul preach? Wherever they went, they must have been directed by Jesus Christ as they were the two most important apostles. Firstly, let me make a bold statement. Contrary to what most of us have heard, the apostle Peter did not start the church in Rome. But what about Peter being the first pope, you may ask? After all, wasn't I told that Peter was in Rome and started the church there? Well, believe it or not, Paul not Peter, was the apostle to the Romans. Let's notice Romans chapter 1 here and in verse 1. 
we read, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. And then as we drop down to verse 11, he says this, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. If Peter was in Rome, he would have established the church and there would have been no reason for Paul to establish it. Also, if Peter had been living in Rome when this was written, why did he not mention Peter? In fact, in chapter 15, if we just turn over there to chapter 15, and in verse 20, we read an interesting statement by Paul. He said, And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. Paul was telling the Romans that he would not step into another man's area of responsibility. And notice also in chapter 16, we find Paul mentioning all of the members of the congregation in Rome by name. But there's no mention of Peter. Wouldn't have that been a snub to him? There were some Jews in Rome, but the majority of the names that we read in chapter 16 are either Latin or Greek. They were Gentiles, not Jewish. And Paul, not Peter, was the apostle to the Gentiles. Now, the reality is that Peter was amongst the Jews in Babylon and later amongst the lost ten tribes in Asia Minor. Did you know that he visited another important area of Israelite population? Where was that? Well, to understand this, we must go back to reliable historical sources. George Jowett wrote the following in his book, Drama of the Lost Disciples, on page 174. Listen to what George Jowett has to say. He said, There is plenty of evidence to show that Peter visited Britain and Gaul several times during his lifetime. His last visit to Britain taking place shortly before his final arrest and crucifixion in Nero's circus in Rome. Further proof of Peter's sojourn in Britain was brought to the light of day in recent times when an ancient, time-worn monument was excavated at Whithorn. On the face is an inscription that reads, The Place of St. Peter the Apostle. But why would Peter go to Britain when it was so far away from Jerusalem? The answer will surprise you. Many of the descendants of the ancient Israelite tribe of Joseph had already settled in Britain. Peter was simply following Jesus Christ's commission for him to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. By the time of Peter's visit to Britain, the British race was made up of descendants of the lost ten tribes. They were to be joined later by their fellow Israelites in 449 AD when the Saxons arrived from Europe. Now, the name Saxon is a contraction of the name Isaac's son. You can see how that goes. Isaac's son becomes Saxon. And to this day, we find the name Saxon all over Britain. We can find Essex, which means East Saxons, Sussex, South Saxons, and Middlesex for the Saxons living near London. What will surprise you is that Paul was also a visitor to Britain. Most of you will know that the main church of England cathedral in London is called St. Paul's. So far, we have seen that Britain was visited by both Simon the Canaanite as well as Simon Peter. But would it interest you to know that the Apostle Paul was also there? According to the early church writers, Jerome and Christostom, Paul traveled to the extreme west 
which was a term always used to refer to the far-off British Isles. And then Theodore, the 5th century Syrian bishop, adds that Paul, and we are quoting from him, preached Christ's gospel to the Britons and others in the West. You know, I cannot emphasize enough the connection that exists between where the apostles traveled and where the lost tribes of Israel were located in the first century. What is of interest is over the following 400 years, the remnant of these scattered tribes all moved into northwestern Europe, which left their former territories open for other nations to inhabit. Turkey, North Africa and the areas of Mesopotamia are now inhabited by other people other than the lost tribes of Israel. But you're asking the question, aren't you? But what about the other apostles? Where did they go? And that would be a good question. So let me give you the areas where they visited. According to ancient writers such as Eusebius and Tertullian, as well as William Cave of the 17th century and modern historians, we can give you the areas where they went. Bartholomew spent time in Armenia, in the area of modern-day Turkey. Jude went into Assyria and Mesopotamia, where we know the ten tribes had been placed by their Assyrian captors. Matthew, according to the Greek writer Metaphrastes, went also into Parthia and further eastward toward India, where that small enclave of Jews were living. Now, the only apostle to die a natural death in his old age was John. He is thought to have visited southern France as well as Ephesus before being exiled to Patmos in the Aegean Sea where he wrote the book of Revelation. What significance is there for you and me in our lives today? As we have seen, the apostles went to the ancient tribes of Israel and we can see that they are now primarily in northwestern Europe. We can know that their descendants are also in the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and of course South Africa. French, Dutch, and Scandinavian people can also be identified with these lost ten tribes. Of course, the Jewish people are also included as a part of Israel. The Bible warns us that if our people reject God and his laws, he will reject them also. We're seeing this happening right now before our very eyes. So go to tomorrowsworld.org or call the number on the screen to request your own copy of our DVD that we're offering you today. Or you can request your personal copies of our literature and be sure to watch every week as Roderick Meredith and Richard Ames bring you the good news of tomorrow's world. These two men have been warning the descendants of the ancient Israel of what lies ahead for them for more than 60 years. Wallace Smith and I will also bring you messages of hope for this world and solutions to your personal problems directly from your Bible. Be sure to join us next week right here on Tomorrow's World. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown.
To view today's program, order the free literature offered, or for more information on today's vital subject, visit us online at www.tomorrowsworld.org. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.